Imagine being lost at sea in a ship much too small for the gigantic waves that face you in the storm. Imagine how you try to stay afloat and alive. And then imagine that you have to film the whole thing. Not doable, right? No, it's quite unpractical to film real storms when you want to show a storm on film or TV. In the old days of Hollywood epics, they threw tons of water on unsuspecting actors and extras to create the horror of a storm at sea. But to show the ship in the waves, they had to rely on miniatures. But these days we have better tools. And even if we still throw lots of water on actors and extras, much of that water is digital. In episode 13 of the third season of the award-winning drama series Outlander, we're thrown into one of those deadly storms. A hapless sailing ship facing waves so huge it would be totally impossible to film it for real, not to mention quite dangerous. Goodbye Kansas Studios worked on that sequence, so let's pick the brains of the guys who created those effects. How do you create digital water? And how do you make it look so real? Welcome to Yellow Brick Road and the Eye of the Storm. Hi everybody and welcome to Yellow Brick Road, a podcast about visual effects, animation and digital mastery. Today we're going to talk about Outlander and how to create digital ocean effects. Say hello to my guests, VFX supervisor and VES Award nominee Philip Orby, VFX supervisor Daniel Norlund and VFX producer Matilda Olsson. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Philip, how did you end up in the world of visual effects? Um... I guess when I was young, I started to be interested in computers in general and, and games. Um, and after that, I started to dabble a little bit in Photoshop. And then when uh, the internet kind of became a bit bigger, like in the 2000s, early 2000s, I started to do web design and me and a few friends started to make uh, web pages for different stuff. We tried to make like a small startup making a planning system, like a school planning system. Mm. And I did a lot of the web design stuff. Uh, and from there on, I got a bit interested in 3D and started to learn a little bit of uh, Max, 3D Studio Max. Um, and I guess then I knew I wanted to do visual effects for a living. So I looked into some different educations and I spent three years at Gävle University. Uh, doing computer science program therefore um, and I guess uh, that's how I started hmm. and Dan what's your story uh, well I think it started with I uh, always um, liked to draw and uh, create images and uh, when I was maybe 15 or 16 uh, I got hold of a 3D studio uh, and it was before it was on Windows so I didn't uh, do any good stuff in it, just for fun, playing around and um, created some imagery, mostly still stills. And then much later, I bought a video camera and wanted to start making movies, but none of my friends uh, were uh, interested, so that uh, <laughs> didn't go so well. But I applied to a computer graphics uh, school 
uh, in Skellefteå, in nord- northern Sweden, and got in. So from there I started to work my way up. And after an internship at Fido, I got hired and, well, here we are. The rest is history. <laughs> uh, now, you two were uh, VFX supervisors for Good by Kansas work with episode 13 of the latest Outlander season. And you, Matilda, you were VFX producer. So, Matilda, how did that uh, the Outlander production find its way to Good by Kansas? It's actually through our London office. Uh, we have a part of the team there that's known uh, the supervisor on the show, uh, Richard Briscoe, for many years. Uh, so that's how it ended up in London. And they actually started in November 2016 with season three uh, episodes. And they did a lot of um, matte paintings, set extensions and uh, things like that. And then they came upon a sequence with full CG water mm. and uh, they wanted our help here in the Stockholm office. So we got to look at that one during July 2017. Hmm. Yeah. Had you seen the series before you knew you would work with it? Uh, I had started watching it uh, before. Um, I liked the series, so I, I was very excited. <laughs> But then when we got the the sequence, I binged watched uh, the entire <laughs> <laughs> series in, in like five days. <laughs> I, I have I have to admit uh, that, that I haven't seen it, Shape on Me. Um, what's it about? So it's about uh, Claire, who is a combat nurse during World War II. Uh, so obviously she lives in 1945. And she travels back through time by an accident to 1746, I think it is, or something like that. Uh, 18th century Scotland. Mm. And then stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a huge success. Uh, yeah. Why is it so great? Um, I haven't uh, seen that much of it either. I, I I started watching after we started working with it to just get a um, kind of grip of the series. I think Matilda is better too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're the big fan here. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Is it is it important to have a, a sense for an entire series or, or film when you work on just one episode or just one sequence? I think you could work on it uh, and not see the show. I think it's possible. Yeah. Uh, but it's much more fun if you know the show and you can actually take your knowledge of the show into your shots that you're working on but, but I don't think it's necessary but. and it must also be a downside to it if you, you follow a series and you love it uh, and then you get to see things before they're ready like spoiler alert yes. kind of. yeah. <laughs> all the time I think maybe if it's a more VFX heavy show you can get the feeling of how the VFX looked before in the episodes mm, that's uh, true. so that's a help but uh, otherwise When we work on stuff, we usually don't see uh, the episodes we work on. Or like maybe if we work on a pilot, you know, mm. uh, we can't see it before. So it's not that important. No. And we just get like a sequence from the episode. So you don't get the entire no. episode. So you really don't know what's going on mm. around that sequence. But still, there's And been some spoilers through the yeah. years. Yeah. 
And, and you, Matilda, and Philip, you were over in Los Angeles last, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, because of the VES Awards. You were nominated for Outstanding Supporting Visual Effects in a Photoreal Episode for the, sequ- for the episode Eye of the Storm. How was that? It was uh, fun. It was, I think, the, the cool thing about that award ceremony is that they have so many categories that kind of... Um, Uh, celebrates different parts of uh, the production, so they have like they have these best effects in this and that, but they also have like best composting in a commercial or best environment work in non-photoreal or photoreal. So there's like I don't know 25 different categories. Mm. So I think it's really an artist um, gala. Like they really celebrate the artists, and celebrate the craft. Yeah, really. And it's fun to see everyone in the same place. Everybody knows each other. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> the business is not that big. <laughs> no. no. Now, you didn't win, unfortunately. <laughs> how did that feel, to be like so close? And I think it was fun just to be there and be award, uh, awarded. This is uh, it's, uh, quite a big thing. But, um, I mean, I want to win, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, But, I mean, it's, uh, it's an experience and um, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Skip, we made the right call. We had to try. So close. Hey, who's the hell of a fight? Long before any award galas comes lots and lots of hard work with lots of people. So, Matilda, how big was the team that worked on this? We were 43 artists. Uh, that worked on it for two and a half months or three months, maybe, and a couple of producers and coordinators. But um, yeah, so it's quite big, mostly compositing artists. Mm. Daniel, how was the sequence shot? Um, Yeah, uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's hard to do this for real, of course, uh, on the sea. So it was shot on land in... um, in South Africa, Cape Town, um, and they have really nice ship uh, sets there. So they dressed up as a ship to be the Artemis uh, in the series, and they have uh, huge cranes uh, that put up uh, blue screens around the ship, and also wind machines, uh, water spray. And yeah, I wasn't on the shoot, so I haven't seen how it really worked. But I'm guessing big shoots with um, uh, water tanks uh, so they can launch um, water onto the boat, uh, onto the actors and create the feeling of the boat crashing into waves and stuff. Um, That physical thing really helps to sell the shots that you not create everything in CG, that Mm. you have the real water uh, sloshing around on deck and... uh, wind is really hitting the actors and they struggle to stay alive almost for real <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the on the set so so how do when you receive the plate how do you go about to like plan the production of a sequence like this we actually sat down um for like a couple of days just breaking down the entire sequence and trying to come up with different solutions of how we could do this and it was a bit of short of time as well so we had to be super efficient yeah i think we divided like uh, the shots into different categories like uh, 
water only or sky only. There were some shots where pointing up to the sky, so you only see uh, clouds and rain. So that's a bit simpler. And we had uh, some shots facing a bit down. We maybe only see a bit of water in the background. Um, and some are like um, more full-on water, waves, everything, sky shots. Mm. So they're a bit more difficult. So Yeah. I'm trying to break them down into angles. Like if you look in the same angle, categorize those into like one part. And then we kind of know what we have in front of us in terms of complexity and uh, similar shots. Did you work with references, like finding the look? Or? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, I mean, we we were quite inspired by uh, Digital Domain's work on Black Sail Season 2, I think, because they made a similar uh, sequence. So that was a big reference um, for like how you can do it in CG. But mm-hmm. then, of course, we look at uh, real-world references. Um, there is a good video on Vimeo called... Uh, Power of the Storm, Power of the Ocean, it's called, I think, uh, which is like a mm, collection of uh, storm uh, footage and big waves and stuff. So we try to break down like what 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 is part of the uh, ocean, like the actual wave surface and then the stuff that blows off the waves and the foam patches and stuff. And then we mm. try to uh, recreate all of that in CG um, so we can kind of break it into tasks and then put it all together in the end. Yeah, and also this sequence was kind of... Uh, overcast it's not night but it's kind of dark because it's cloudy and Mm. many like Hollywood storm sequences are like moonlit more like not overcast or Mm. they're always at night yeah (laughs) (laughs) to get the moonlight of course oh yeah Yeah. of course (laughs) but um, yeah so that was also a challenge with all the this flat lighting and getting it to look uh, Mm. nice Do we have other like storm sequences in films and stuff that, <coughs> that are favorites, kind of from the past? I think we'll, um, something they said was a reference from the production side was uh, Master and Commander. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good one. It's, yeah. It looks really awesome, and I, yeah, I think I'm, that's kind of miniature, miniatures, and a lot of it's filmed in that one. Which of course makes yeah, it look really They had really a huge good. water tank with a full gimbal and a full scale ship as well. Yeah, so we, that's, we had a little bit different uh, <laughs> stuff. Uh, I think there are like the pirates movies have great water, of course. Yeah, like the Maelstrom, There's one great uh, one in the, in I think the third pirates. Is that the Eye of the Storm thing mm-hmm. where they yeah yeah the Maelstrom yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly. I think yeah, ILM does a lot of great work, so you can just look at them and. I think also maybe Pacific Rim, <laughs> yeah, uh, some mm-hmm. pretty uh, like solid, well, yeah, huge. We, we, uh, actually, we, actually, we actually looked shots. a little bit at uh, what is the movie called with Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wall Street has a storm sequence <laughs> as well, which is pretty cool. <laughs> oh yeah, right. But uh, we realized that, that boat was moving so fast when you actually look out through the windows and like how fast the waves are passing. It's like yeah. Um, Well, we need something a bit more uh, realistic. realistic. Yeah. Yeah. But you, yeah, you look around at whatever you can get, get your hands on, basically. Yeah. And th- then you receive the plates from the shoot. Can, can you walk me through the steps of how you do a typical shot in that sequence? Um, I mean, it starts with um, prepping the plates and then uh, um, cleaning away tracking markers, tracking the shots, uh, keying them. After that, we we track the plates, 
And then we use our background water that is all already pre-rendered in this case. Mm. And then we kind of combine the, um, the motion from our CD water with our tracked uh, uh, plate camera. So you, we can't, you can't forget the CG water development phase as well that comes before this. Oh, you yeah. actually sit in... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we, we also make <laughs> like the CD water in the beginning, which is uh, like a look-down phase. Mm. But um, then we try to put... Um, the plate camera and the CG camera together. And then on top of that, we also animate to get the motion in. So mm. it's not like a typical uh, way of doing it where we kind of do a one-off for each shot and render that. Um, so you kind of pre-render stuff and then put it together with the, the plates. Yeah, we kind of moved a lot of the work into compositing uh, to keep the um, flexibility. I think Just a, a good thing to also mention here is that we had 87 shots. Yeah. Of water to do so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you basically created one ocean that you used with the same simulation, the same way, and kind of. Yeah, I mean, we we rendered a three sixty um, render kind of, or actually eight cameras, but it becomes a three sixty, mm. and we did that for uh, the first part of the sequence and then the last part of the sequence. So two of those. Uh, in, the, in the last part of the sequence, there are much bigger waves, so we had to kind of make two of them to make it work, uh, and then. The good thing with this is that we can animate the boat movement in comp afterwards. We don't have to re-render uh, water for each shot. Oh. Uh, there are some uh, one-off shots where we have to do it, and we have to do specific simulations and stuff, but uh, like 70% of the shots we could do it like that. And uh, another good thing is that we can kind of work on the general water look all the way through and just update it in all the shots, and it will just update instead of having to re-render all the shots. That yeah. was... Uh, yeah, the only way we could do it really in that time frame. Yeah, so we had kind of a lot of people working on extracting the plates, cleaning up tracking markers and doing all that prep work while a couple of lead artists were developing the water look and, uh, and the amount of how much rain, uh, fog, like surface fog. We had different passes and uh, just trying to make it all sit together and we baked that into uh, kind of a tool in Nuke. So when uh, everything started to come together, we could just update that tool in all the shots and basically get the latest version of everything going. Yeah, um, and, and dial stuff like uh, too much rain or too little fog uh, on a shot-by-shot basis in comp. And also a lot of the comments from the client was like, oh, we want the boat to roll over to the sides a lot heavier, like there's a we had too little movement, uh, side to side rolling, and then it was quite easy for uh, not easy, but well, um, we didn't have to re-render, so we could, could go in and uh, adjust these things um, in the shots and mm. get new versions out really quickly. What softwares did you work with? I mean, for 3D, we used Houdini, like 95%, I guess, for, for this uh, stuff. We used a little bit of Maya and V-Ray for some shots when we had, uh, like, ropes and sail simulations, uh, but uh, mostly Houdini. Mm. Yeah. And for compositing, we had, of course, Nuke. Uh, that's the main software we use here at Goodbye Kansas. Um, but we also couldn't mention F-Track for 
managing all the notes and the yeah. tasks and um, yeah. time tracking. And very important during this process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually, think we could do it without F-Track, actually. No. <laughs> yeah, we created some custom attributes to, like Philip was saying earlier about the angles, so every shot had a shot angle, so we mm. can uh, bunch similar shots together and see that they uh, worked. And uh, we also used um, uh, PF track for match moving, and we had uh, Hero for lots of the reviewing. Um, we could keep the entire timeline and updating as uh, soon as a new composite came in, we could just update the timeline and have the whole uh, project uh, at the tips of our fingers. Do you say that? And you also uh, you shared the sequence with Digital Domain. Yes. Uh, how did. did that work? Uh, so they had about, I think it was around 10 uh, full CG shots. Uh, and it was it was more like wide shots of the boats, but for those who have seen the sequence, know about the massive wave that's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had a couple of shots in there uh, mixed up with ours. So it was very important to have a tight collaboration with them uh, to make it look like it's all done under the same roof, basically. Yeah. Did you uh, share assets? Or? We, shared, uh, we shared a boat. Uh, for some shots and uh, but, also but, the sky. But, but wait, the boat, but you said it was filmed on a, used, on a real boat. We but then used we're... like a, like a mast and some ropes and stuff from, mm. from the CG boat for some of our shots as well. Okay. So that was the same CG boat. But they of course used it a lot more than we did. Yeah. Uh, but mostly the sky, I think, was shared between us. Uh, and then they sent shots to us continuously. Uh, so we could just try and match each other's shots. So they look the same in the end. And blend seamlessly exactly. together. <laughs> Philip, when you work with simulations like, like water, for example, um, how do you control them? Is there an easy way to explain that? Or? Mm, I guess when you do simulations in general, you usually start with like a proof of concept, like smaller area or less resolution. And try to dial everything in, and then you can iterate quite quite quickly, and then you can uh, uh, ship it to the farm and see how how that looked, and then after after you get that back, you can kind of see like oh it's too fast or too little of this and too much of that, and then it becomes a little bit of a slow process when you try to dial and see uh, based on what you see, and then you send off a new version or multiple versions, and then you kind of get it back and you kind of fine-tweak it uh, to to the end. Um, so, yeah, you try to start light and easy, mm. and then you kind of uh, move it uh, along into final. And how many rounds are we talking about? Like back and forth. <laughs> uh, lots and lots. I mean, if, if we talk about... Uh, we, we did, the shots we did looking straight down into the water, they had like full sims. Uh, so they they could go into, I mean, maybe 10 versions or something like this. Uh, it depends. Uh, yeah. Why is digital water so hard to create? I think it's because it's, uh, it's, it's a very complex thing. It has uh, so many components and spray and mist and foam and all of this. So... Uh, uh, it's, it's easier to make something like a hard surface uh, table or something like this because it's more of a straightforward process. But here it's uh, 
you can't really like simulate uh, billions of billions of water particles or something. So you have to kind of find ways around it and still trying to make it look similar to how real water behaves. Um, so I guess that's uh, one of the trickier parts with water. Mm. And also during this process, we, we looked at a lot of water, uh, <laughs> and I realized that it actually already looks a bit animated. It's super weird looking. Yeah. Water, the, the water sea, in general. Yeah, the, the just, sea never looks the same. Exactly, it's yeah. just super tricky, and mm. we all know how water looks, so we have something to compare it to. We think in like in our mind. Yeah. So when you do it in CG, it's you you have a like already an image in your head that what it's supposed to look like and it's yeah. just hard to mimic hard, yeah. that yeah constantly changing yeah yeah, yeah but, but how do you convey size when you create ocean storms like this um yeah well i think when stuff that moves uh, in a certain speed if it if it goes slower it looks bigger like mm. a, a really big wave it's moving fast, but it's so big it's on a distance, it looks like it's moving slow. Uh, that, that was kind of the trick they used when they had miniatures and stuff, to, yeah. to just go slow motion. Exactly, shooting slow motion is, is uh, of course, the way to go for creating that um, sense of bigger, larger-than-life stuff. And also the foam patterns on the surface can kind of cue into how how big the wave is. If you mm-hmm. if you see those monster surf waves that have the has um, like a streaky foam pattern that goes up on the face of the wave, mm-hmm. um, that kind of also sells the scale of it. That you but just have lots of detail in it, and um, also make the surface rough, like not a shiny smooth. Um, uh, that it has like. A, getting um, hit by rain and stuff so it kind of breaks up the reflections and just looks kind of menacing. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard the saying, any port in a storm? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that means you. In what way? Uh, maybe you're in the middle of a storm, a big fucking storm. Yeah. The maybe. sky's falling on your head, the waves are crashing over your little boat, the oars are about to snap. You're just pissing your pants, you're crying for the harbor, so maybe you do what you gotta do to get out. Oh, maybe you became a psychologist. I a kind of silly question, but I, I get kind of seasick when, when I see this. <laughs> Does three D artists get seasick too from from working with <laughs> sequences like this? Um, no. I dreamed about water for a lot of nights during this process. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe not seasick, <laughs> but uh, I know that if we work on uh, other stuff that has like wounds and stuff like this, people can get queasy. Mm-hmm. But uh, seasickness, um, I don't, I don't think so. No, it, when you work, it goes too slow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if we, if we could work in real time in VR, we probably would get a bit sick. Yeah, yes. So. And also, we had we had a lot of uh, reviewing uh, sessions. Uh, when we looked at the shots over and over and over again for <laughs> several hours straight yeah. and also like late in the evening and at night and then at least I got a little bit like tired of the water. <laughs> <laughs> you get a bit seasick but maybe that's just me. I mean it was obviously hard work uh, but it turned out very very well. It's it's a 
breathtaking sequence, I think. And, and I've actually heard that you've already been approached by other productions who wants help with storms yes. and stuff. Of course, we can't mention what. But, but will it be easier to create the next similar sequence? Have you learned lots? From yes, that? I think so. But in on it could also be harder because we want to make it better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but you learn like yeah, what definitely. what are the problems or what should you focus on more and some stuff or like okay, we kind of know how to do this. We can focus on the stuff we did we didn't uh, nail one hundred percent or like we can increase. Uh, yeah, yeah. We yeah in detail we learned a lot on how to divide different elements of the water, the ocean, yeah. exactly. a bit better. And, yeah. I also learned that we need a lot more time to reviewing shots. Yeah. <laughs> If we're doing 87 shots. Yeah. <laughs> It adds, yeah. adds up. Yeah. But, but, but as an artist, I mean, you, you work then furiously on, on doing this scene for so many months. Are you really hungry to do another storm at sea? Or, or do you feel like you would like to focus on something else or, or as you said then and go back and like tweak things or how does it um, work I think uh, uh, at least for me it would the fun, fun the most fun stuff is when you get shots that are quite different so mm. you don't have to do like a hundred shots of the exact same thing but uh, on the other hand it's uh, of course more expensive to make just one shot with a complex thing if you can yeah. uh, reuse that thing in a lot of shots it's of course economy in that so it's kind of problem solving part of the fun it's like something that drives you to like to find solutions yeah yeah Yeah, for sure i mean when you get approached like we have to do a storm ocean in 100 shots it feels a bit daunting but when you start to break it down and you see some progress and you see that it actually looks pretty cool um, that's fun Will you work on uh, season four on our plan? We already are. Already are. Yes. Amazing. But before we wrap this up, Philip and Daniel, you you worked on lots and lots of different projects and films through the years. Uh, Do you have a dream project, a film or an effect that you would love to create? Hmm. I don't know, actually. I I don't think I have a specific dream project. I um, almost... Um, no, uh, it's really it's a hard question. <laughs> it is. It's the million dollar question. Yeah. That's because yeah. you already worked at Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> okay, not for you. But. I, I think it's like uh, it could. It doesn't have to be the name of the product. It has to be like the types of uh, effects or shots you have to create. Mm. If they are fun or not. If they are like challenging, uh, then it could be fun to work on anything basically. But, uh, I mean, I would like to work on some space stuff, maybe. That, mm. that would be cool. I think you will in the future. <laughs> I, <don't> think, yeah. <laughs> I dreamed I saw a great wave climbing over green lands and above the... Thanks a lot for coming and, and sharing your memories from this great project. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you out there, thanks for listening. Uh, as usual, you can find lots of links to things that we talked about at our webpage goodbyekansasstudios.com and do mail us if you have feedback, questions or thoughts about our pod. Next week we're going to walk in the footsteps of the cinemasaurs. An entire episode about dinosaurs in film history. That'll be fun. I love that. Until next time, 
Goodbye, à bientôt, auf Wiedersehen, wie hoch. Thank you.